Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Yeah. And our gathering last week on Good Friday with thousands of people from across Johannesburg was just amazing, yeah? I just loved the fact that there was this massive shout, this frequency, this vibration that went across the suburbs of Joyburg. And you noticed, I mean, you could feel it, right? There was this massive shift from the start of the afternoon to the end of the afternoon. There was this massive change in the atmosphere. Yeah? And so we're part of, of what the Lord is doing in bringing about these shifts and these changes. Yeah? And sometimes change happens, there's a lot of shaking going on. Yeah? Um, sometimes you've actually got to just be, you know, shaken loose of things so that you might take hold of the new things. And uh, I just w- was so appreciative of the churches coming together, of breakthrough, of so many of you serving and helping uh, with that thing. And, um, you know, just chatting with, with Sean afterwards, just blown away by the level of participation and engagement. Thousands of people um, just, you know, lifting up the name of the Lord. You know, some, oh, yeah, no, that was good. No, no, that was significant. That was massive, you know, what was happening in terms of the, the spiritual climate and atmosphere here in our city. And uh, so we, we continue to pray into that, that the, you know, the seeds that were sown would bring fruit. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But I uh, just want to say how much I uh, was so proud of the Breakthrough family serving so well on the day. Yeah. And it wasn't just that you served, but it's how you served. Yeah, with great love and compassion and warmth and a friendly smile, like late into the, the day. And, uh, and, and helped to, you know, to serve what, uh, what, what God was doing on the day. And uh, so thank you. And Sean says, you know what? The momentum that we have gained is unusual compared to other places he goes to. So it was, you know, it was a significant time, but also it speaks of a movement in terms of us as a nation pressing in to the things of the Lord. Yeah, when there's so many other things that people can do, and one of the things that they've noticed in, in, um, in the States, during the hard lockdown, they were the only show in town. I mean, not that they're putting on a show, but you understand what I'm trying to say. They were the only option that people had to go and be a part of, and so they drew thousands of people. And then when everybody else then sort of said, oh, well, we can also do this, now there's so many options. Obviously, the crowds have have got a little smaller because there's so many other things. So we are bucking the trend in South Africa. Even though there are more things to do, we're actually coming out in greater numbers. It speaks to a spiritual hunger, a stirring 
of what the Spirit is doing in our nation. Yeah. You know, we're living in it, so we don't, oh, well, you know, this has happened. No, this is unusual what's taking place. So be encouraged what God is doing in our nation in answer to the prayers of God's people. Yeah, we keep praying, we keep pushing at things, and you know what? It's having an impact. It's having an effect. So, yay, yay God. Hallelujah. All right. What I want to talk to you about this morning is the effect of the message of the kingdom of God in our lives. And when the message comes, it's not just to entertain us. It's not just to make us feel good. But it's meant to bring about a change and a transformation in our lives that causes us to be fruitful. That's the whole point of our lives in Christ is not to just, well, you know, I'm saved. I've got my insurance, my fire insurance policy. In other words, I'm not going to hell. So I've got my fire insurance and I just carry on living my own life and, you know, just live for myself. That is not what the kingdom is about. The message of the kingdom is meant to be internalized, is meant to bring about a shift and a change in our lives, and the way in which we live is for a harvest, for increase, spiritual growth in our lives. Okay, would you turn with me please to Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. And in Luke chapter 8, It's the teaching of Jesus. He spoke in parables. And a parable is a particular way of communicating when it's a story, but it comes with a spiritual meaning. There's a message that's embedded in the story. In other words, it's a teaching opportunity where truths are hidden, they're buried within the narrative. It's not just a story just for entertainment. It's a story that contains truth that's meant to transform lives. But a parable needs to be worked through in order to understand its meaning. A story is just a story and it's all out there in the open. But a parable contains a hidden message. And the wonderful thing is that Jesus, he said to his followers, he said, listen, to those who are not my followers, I'm speaking in parables and they're going to miss what I'm saying. But to you, I'm giving you the secrets of the kingdom. I'm giving to you the ability. Remember, he's given to us the keys of the kingdom. So we have keys that can unlock mysteries. He's giving to us the ability to understand the truth at a deeper level that is being contained in these parables. 
And so you'll find this particular parable, it's the parable about the seed and the sower, you'll find this particular one contained in the three Gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to take a look at Luke chapter 8, the seed and the sower. We'll pick it up from verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Verse 9, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. He's quoting from Isaiah. And basically what Isaiah was saying was people's hearts were so hard that even though they heard, they didn't hear. And even though they saw, they didn't see. There was a hardness about them. Even though the message came, they weren't willing to yield to the message, to receive the message, and then to live appropriately in response to the message of God. Caution to us. Let us live in such a way that we are yielded to the Spirit. So that when something comes, we're saying, Lord, what is it that you're saying to us? Not arrogant, like, oh, I know everything, nobody can teach me anything. No, no, a place of humility. Lord, help me to understand more what it is that you're saying. Help me to see what you are revealing. I think I see, but actually, I probably don't. So help me to truly see. Okay. Verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is money. What translation have I got here? Wow. The seed is the word of God. All right, I just threw that one in there. Because unfortunately, these, this particular parable has been so misused to manipulate God's people to play the lottery. God's lottery. Clearly, the seed is the word. And in Matthew, 
chapter 13, that's where you'll find the same parable. In verse 19, it says the seed is the message of the kingdom. In other words, Matthew is further amplifying the understanding of what the word is, what the seed is. It's the message of the kingdom. Jesus didn't go around preaching the gospel of salvation. This might shock you. Jesus went preaching and teaching the kingdom. If you read the gospels again and again and again and again, Jesus taught kingdom. Not salvation, kingdom. Isn't that interesting? That too many times the church nowadays only preaches salvation and doesn't teach and preach kingdom. Salvation is fire insurance. Kingdom is a whole other story. If there's a king and we're a subject of the king, the king sets the rules. In his realm, you obey the king and you bring honor and tribute to the king. We called to live in relationship with the king. Now, we like the nice cozy bits about it, like, oh, I'm royalty. Yeah? Yeah, and we are. We're a royal priesthood a holy nation right and so we love the fact that oh i'm a king's kid you know i'm royalty yeah but the king is still the king he's on the throne and we need to live in a particular way in an understanding of his kingship over our lives And so Jesus was preaching and teaching the kingdom. So the seed is the word, the message about the king and his rule and reign over the earth and over our lives. Yeah, okay. Verse 12. Those along the path are the ones who hear... And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So the birds come and they pick up the seed or it gets trampled underfoot. In other words, message goes out and people are distracted or they don't appropriate it for themselves. It doesn't take root in their hearts. They don't embrace it. They don't receive it it bounces off them. And there are many people like that. Hmm? Just remember that God is God. And God is always true to himself. So his nature 
His character is unchanging. He's just. He's a righteous judge. He's just. He's true. In that sense, his judgments are always perfect. Fair. No human will ever be able to stand and accuse God before the throne of judgment and say, you are not fair. Because if God once in all of existence is unfair just once, he ceases to be God. Which means everyone somehow in the economy of God has the opportunity to have an encounter with seed. Oh, what about closed nations? Oh my goodness. Jesus himself is appearing to people. In dreams, in visions, he's just showing up in people's rooms. It's just amazing what he's doing. No one will be without excuse on that day. Seed, it's going everywhere. Yeah? But let us not be path people. Hard-hearted. It's like revelation comes. Remember, it's the message of the kingdom. So when a message of the kingdom comes, don't be hard-hearted. Oh, I've heard this before. How about the Lord continues to give more seed? Oh, I've heard it all before. Can't teach me anything. I mean, you know, I did three years of study at Bible school. Well, good for you. Most believers that I know, even if they heard the message when they were this high, they're still continuing to learn how to put it into practice. How to live it out more effectively, fruitfully in their own lives. We're constantly growing and being challenged by the truth of who he is and what he's saying to us. Seed keeps coming. More seed. So let us constantly be in a place of tender-hearted openness to what he's saying to us. Verse 13, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. Okay, Matthew and Mark talk about it being shallow soil. Okay, Luke says there's no moisture there. But, so it goes up real fast. They believe for a while. But in the time of testing, they fall away. 
the other gospels say, when persecution comes, because of the word. Not if, when. Because of the word. All of us will face times when there is resistance, opposition to the message of the kingdom. We're in a war. We were born into war. Just so happens you're a wartime baby. Right, since the fall of man, there's been this conflict of the ages. The seed of Adam, until the second Adam, came to put us back on an equal footing if we choose to be in Christ, the second Adam. But he came to transfer us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And there's a war between these two realms. You're born into war. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. If you're not at war, you don't need armor. So because there's this animosity, because there, there is this resistance, we will bump into it from time to time. And some people are not prepared for the fight. Or they're not prepared to fight. So we face these things. Oh, it's not fair. Ah, it's war. Toughen up, baby. You're in the army now. Hmm. Verse 14. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. It's kind of, wow, what's going on with this thing? So the seed comes, it goes into the ground, it takes root, it grows. But now, there's no room, there's no space for it to be fruitful. It's being crowded out by a bunch of things. It's possible to be saved and not be fruitful. There's an accommodating, there's no maturity. There's no fruitfulness. 
And they have allowed the weeds to encroach on them to hinder their ability to mature and to be fruitful. What are the kinds of things that can do that to us? Well, as they go about their way, as they live their life, they are choked by life's worries. In Matthew and in Mark, it speaks about the cares of this age. This life, this age. What do we mean by this? Scripture tells us that we wage war against the prince of the power of this age, the prince of the power of the air in this age. And it speaks about the age that is to come, the fullness of the kingdom. So the, Jesus came to announce that the kingdom was coming among them. But we understand that only when he comes in glory is the finality, the fullness, the consummation of the kingdom finally and fully established. When all his enemies are crushed under his feet, the last enemy to be defeated is death, and the king will reign forever, and no opposition. Perfection, heaven. Yes? Hebrews tells us that we have tasted of the powers of the age to come. So that age of his glory and victory of the heavenly realms is now breaking into this realm, this age, this present age. This age is under the influence of the enemy. Now the cross dealt him a massive blow. And he's been restricted in what he can do. But he's still making a mess. And because he impacts and influences people... To do ungodly things. And because he's manipulating, deceiving, causing all kinds of alternative things to be going on. He is behind the systems of this world. That's why the Bible says that the, that the things of this world are passing away. Meaning the systems of this world. Not this world is passing away. The systems of this world are passing away. It's unfortunate some of the translations in the King James Version. Remember they did it in 1611, long before Google. And they didn't have all of the parchments and all the manuscripts. They didn't have it all in the original language. Some of it they had in Latin, which is the Vulgate. So they translated from the Latin back to the Greek and then from the Greek back to English. Yeah? And they did a fantastic job, but there are a couple of places where they, they took one word and you can translate it this way or you can translate it that way. 
and a few times which has given rise to some crazy thinking about the end times, when the King James says the end of the world, but actually the Greek word is the end of the age. The end of the age. When the end of this age where the enemy is still at play. When that end, when his end finally comes and the age of the kingdom fully and finally established. It's called the kingdom age. This present age and the age to come. And this age is passing away. And the systems that belong to this age are passing away. Okay, please come and do the eschatology course and we'll help you with this. Because otherwise you think this planet is going up in smoke. And you have no reason to be a good steward of the planet if he's going to nuke it anyway. What's the point? Come on, think about it. It's, not, it's illogical. Oh, now I'm messing with you. The cross, the cross, the cross dealt with every single issue that the fall brought in. He dealt with every single thing that came into the world because of the fall, Adam and Eve. He said, it's finished. I've dealt with it. Then he says to his kids, us. Alright? Get on with the job. Occupy until I come. Be involved with the advance, the spread of the kingdom. I'll come and tidy up whatever's left over. But get on with it. By the way, you're on the winning side and you're advancing. Don't believe the propaganda. Every now and then we get a leak from headquarters that tells us the truth. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, big leaks this last week. Completely nullifying the narrative of who's winning up there. Up there, you know, in the northern hemisphere. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Okay. Every now and then we get a prophetic word that cuts through, tells us the truth. We get a prophetic leak from heaven. It says, actually, even if people want to tell you that darkness is winning, the truth is his saints are marching on in victory and in triumph. The kingdom is advancing. All creation is groaning, waiting, longing, in expectation the sons of God to be revealed. Why? So the place can be destroyed? 
doesn't make sense, eh? Yeah. Anyway, eschatology. Choked by this life's worries in Matthew and in Mark, it says the cares of this age being politically correct. We are choked, the kingdom in our lives is choked. Our message of the king is choked. By the cares of this age, being woke, being politically correct, not offending other people, toe the line, and it causes our fruitfulness. We can't be fruitful. You're not allowed to say that here at work. Really? Who's the boss? Who's the real king? No, 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 no. We need to be accepting of everyone. Really, bud? How's that working out for you? Bud Light. Yeah, that cost them six billion dollars in a couple of weeks, eh? Yeah. Yeah. You see, the king is also the creator. Yes. And he said, Listen, I've got X, X chromosomes and Y chromosomes. And you're going to be an XY or an XX. That's it. Mm. And by the way, I'm the creator. God says he gets to choose. And he doesn't make mistakes. As Chuck Norris said. I was a man trapped in a woman's body. And then I was born. That was a politically incorrect joke, and I stand by it. The creator says, male, female. He says, good. And then the scripture says there will come a time when they will say what is good is bad and what is evil is right. And now the care of the system of this world, of this age, should I say, the system of this age says, no, 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 no. What you say is right. Mm -mm 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 -mm. We're going to put some thorns around you. And we're going to reduce and restrict your effectiveness. And we're going to tell you, you can't say that. 
your allegiance to a king, actually, we're going to water this thing down. And we're going to reduce it to just your own personal, private, at home kind of living. But the king himself said, you're the light of the world. You cannot take a light and hide it under a table. No, you put the lamp up and let it shine. And the world says, take that light and hide it away, please. Not here. Restrict. No fruitfulness. So the care to be accepted and acceptable by the world and how much of the church has restricted its ability to shine light trying to be seeker sensitive Jesus was never seeker sensitive Ask the rich young ruler how seeker sensitive Jesus was. Life's worries. How about this thing, riches? You know, we're going to do a finance course in May. And we'll teach you the difference between money, riches, and wealth. The Bible uses these three terms very differently. Why would the Lord want to promise you wealth if it was going to be a snare? It's riches. Come, we'll teach you. It's the trust in riches. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. Is your treasure, your stuff, riches, things that are generating supply for you? Or is your treasure in Him? Do you trust him or do you trust your stuff? Your ability to make a plan. Is your faith in your stuff or is your faith in him? And there's a deceitfulness like where am I going to put my trust? And it causes you to pull back from being part of the advance of the kingdom. And your fruitfulness is curtailed because you're so preoccupied on your stuff instead of being preoccupied with the kingdom. And he said, boys and girls, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. His righteousness meaning what he established for us on the cross, not our good works, as we trust in him and what he's done, We seek the king, his kingship in our lives. 
first, then all these other things will be added. Now, if you're trusting in these things and you're running after them, fruitfulness, no room for fruitfulness. But when we chase after Him, all the things that we need, He'll supply. But the heart, it's not so much that the rich young ruler had many possessions. It's that his many possessions had him. That was the issue. The disciples, they said, but we've left everything. He says, yeah, well done, boys. And I'll tell you what. You've left sisters and brothers and mothers and fathers and homes and fields. Listen, you're going to get a hundredfold back in this life and in the age to come, eternal life. Why would he promise you a hundredfold of fields and houses and all this stuff if he didn't want us to have stuff? God's not intimidated with you having wealth. But he's really concerned about riches having you. Riches, pleasures. The the root word there, we get hedonism. It's like going after just like your own comfort and your own self-pleasures and all the rest of it. Living for yourself. Well, are you living for the king? Or are you living for yourself? Just pleasure. I just want to enjoy life. That will become a distraction. Pick up your cross. Follow me. That's mutually exclusive to seeking after your own comfort, your own pleasures. And we get it the right way around. He says, listen, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. It's his good pleasure to give us everything. But when the heart is right, all these things follow. As opposed to you chasing after these things, and then that's all you get. It's the issue of the heart. They do not mature. Verse 15. Land this thing in the next three hours. But the seed on good soil stands for those who are noble and with a noble and a good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Retain and persevere. See, our fruitfulness comes by persevering. What we were singing last week. One step in front of the other. We just go one step at a time. All right? So we go after these things and we persevere. And we're going a long obedience in the same direction. Results in fruitfulness. Oh, but I've got a prophetic word and it's been three years and it hasn't. Don't worry about that. Yeah, but look at those other people and how quickly. Remember Jesus taking Peter and John 
They had a little fish brine at the beach. And he says, and Peter says, but what about John? Jesus is kind of like, well, what about him? Forget him. I'm talking to you. Let's just worry about you. Don't worry about them. Just you and Jesus. Yeah? So don't be distracted by what other people are doing or whatever it is. Just like, you know what? Through perseverance, retain the word. Retain it. Hold on to it. Steward it. Protect it. Nurture it. And then with perseverance, push through. It will result in fruitfulness. We hear about spectacular stories. We think that everything must always be spectacular. That's a... It's a distraction. Causes you to get squidgy things happening in your heart. Just day after day, give us today our daily bread. Just for today. Consistent. Keep going. And keep going. And at the end, there's a harvest. How big will my harvest be? Chill. Just relax. You see, he says to Luke here, hey, you know, hundredfold. He doesn't even mention 30 or 60. Matthew says a hundred. 60, 30, it's going down. Mark says 30, 60, 100. Well, what is it? Look, it's just numbers. Jesus is very clever. He lived in an agrarian society. Yes, he was a builder. Tektron in the Greek. Not carpenter, builder. Stereke. Strong. Jesus. Oof. Took the 40 lashes and he was still alive. Kill a lot of people. Remember they would give the 39 lashes to a lot of people because they reckon by the 40th one... You're about killing them. Jesus got the 40. He still carried the cross. Still went. Strong. Mm. Jesus living out there, sleeping out in the open, moving around for three, three and a half years. He knew a few things about crops. Listen, man, you know, you, you, we got mates, they farm in the free state. You put one kernel, a millipip, corn, in the ground. What happens? Up comes the plant, leaves, 
Jacob, two, maybe three. Have you had a milli lately? Oh, delicious. How many seeds, how many kernels on a cob? That would be one heck of a milli, that one. Somewhere between three, four hundred. If you've got a massive one, five hundred. Okay, let, so let's, just, let's be conservative. Three hundred. Three hundred seeds on one cob. If you've got two or three, that's like nine hundred. Nine hundred times. Nine hundred fold. Jesus said hundred fold. Like, what kind of millies did they have? I thought that was the promised land. So clearly Jesus, the, the referring to a hundredfold wasn't an exact amount. Come on, with the Lord, a thousand, a day is like a thousand and a thousand is like a day. Yeah? So there's, there's terminology in the scriptures that is referring to something. I'm going to land this in the next little bit. Amen. It's a big amen for the, I'm going to land this. There are times when you're kind of like, yay. Oh, Jesus, help him now. Do you remember Abraham? When he was a hundred years old, he was fruitful. In the fullness of time, so to speak. Fruitfulness. And that's the kind of concept here that's the Hebrew thinking a hundredfold. All right? So there's going to be the complete amount of fruitfulness that'll take place. It's going to like, well, I gave one house, uh, let me count how many. Listen, you don't have enough time. To do maintenance on your own house. How are you going to look after a hundred houses? Well, I left a business, a field. I left a business. Do you have enough time to look after a hundred companies? Do you understand? It's just like, come on, think this through, people. So there'll be fruitfulness to the maximum, to the optimum yield is the understanding of a hundredfold. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 15. If you remain in me, in the vine, my words remain in me, you will bear much fruit. It's about remaining in him, in the word. His word sustains us. It's the word, it's the message of the kingdom. And when we remain in that, we will bear much fruit. Okay. The point is, having a heart that stewards well what he says to us. A life that is impacted by the seed, the message of the kingdom. 
the soil looks very different when there's nothing planted as opposed to when there's something growing. Our lives are going to look different because the seed has taken root. It's going to bring about great harvest. Let's allow our lives to be changed and transformed by the message of the kingdom. Amen. Flate, flate. Mysterious eight. Can I invite you to stand? Appreciate you giving me just a couple extra minutes here. It's so important for us, folks, on the back of what the Lord is doing and saying in our nation, that we position our hearts and our lives to receive the now word, a word in season, the now word, in terms of the advance of the kingdom in our city and in our nation. Nations rise and fall. Load shedding schedules will rise and fall. All kinds of things can distract us. What's the most important thing? Fruitfulness. Keeping an eternal perspective in mind. Allowing His Word to transform us. Shape us. Live in such a way that we please the King. And when we do all this, oh my goodness. It's not just that we get the right perspective to navigate through the storms now. But there's eternal reward. Reward now and reward then. When we live right. That's the blessed life that we've been invited into. It's not all doom and gloom here. Light overcomes darkness. Salt prevents corruption. Yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Things are going to shift and change. Even while there's this chaotic storm that's happening. Through it all. We were made for fruitfulness. Let's keep our eyes fixed on Him. So Holy Spirit, we're asking that you would help us to align our thoughts, our hearts with you and your purposes. Cause a faith to rise within us, to look beyond the waves and to see you calling us to walk on the water. A journey of faith, a journey of trust, believing you that indeed the kingdom is advancing and the best is yet to come. So we ask, Lord, that as a people we would be those who would mature, that we would not allow the cares of this age to throttle and to choke what we individually are able to step into, that individually we would experience fruitfulness and then corporately, collectively, that too, that we would also experience a great harvest. 
So we thank you, Lord, that this is harvest time. That this is a great time for the advance of the kingdom. And that we were born for such a time as this. So we thank you, Lord, for a great strengthening that comes to your people now. I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless you with his peace. I bless you with confidence in the goodness of the Lord. That you will taste and see the goodness of God in the land of the living. May his name be praised, exalted, magnified above all. Amen. Amen, amen. God bless you.